Episode 40 of the TFA Dino Show. I'm here with my guy, Tom Corson at Dynasty Infidel. Tom, it has been too long. We've had two weeks of football. We have not potted together. Only one question for you. How the hell are you? I'm doing really well. You know what? I mean, week one was awesome. It was like everything I thought would happen happened, except Brandon Ayuk, which we'll wind up getting to. Um and then week two happened, and it was just like knee kick, groin kick, groin kick, groin kick, groin, like over and over again. It was really rough. Like week two sucked ass, but I'm fine. This is fine. We're on to week three. You've been icing. You've been icing. Oh, man. Cold balls right now, man. <laughs> Fantastic transition into the topic of the show tom we are talking about individuals who have kind of either subverted expectations or risen above what we thought they might just we're going to talk about guys that are kind of all over the map and what we're doing with them in dynasty we're trying not to overreact it's been two weeks of nfl football but with that people are are trying to make trades they're trying to gain leverage on the rest of their opponents and, and they want to know how do we handle some of these new guys that have entered the fray elijah mitchell will be a guy that we talk about tonight and what are we doing with some names that we've known for a while uh, what we thought they might be, and they either haven't lived up to that or they've exceeded expectations. So, Tom, without further ado, let's jump right in because we've got a lot of names to go through. The first one is going to be Joe Burrow, who, if you would have asked me preseason, once he's healthy, once the knee's fine, I would have said this team is going to look like the Dallas Cowboys of 2020. They have a terrible defense. They have fantastic weapons. Joe Burrow is going to throw 35 to 40 times a game. I thought they were just going to be an aerial attack artist kind of team. And right now it kind of looks not quite the opposite, but the defense is playing good somehow. I, I don't understand that. And then Joe Burrow is not throwing like we thought he would. And, and actually kind of struggled in this last game, throwing three straight, three straight, three straight interceptions including a pick six. Um, he's kind of looked a little rocky. What are your thoughts on Joe Burrow so far through two weeks? I think he's getting his feet underneath of him, but I think he is due for an uptick. We have Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, and Green Bay. Uh, and that Green Bay defense right now probably couldn't shut down my my local, local high school team. So um, I think he's he's still finding his legs. You know what I mean? It's I think that's all there is to it. The offense week one ran through Joe Mixon, which was nice to see. Um, and you saw his stats wound up being very good that week just because he didn't have as much pressure on him with Mixon taking a lot of the the, the load there. Um, he's had two touchdowns in both games. So the touchdowns are coming. We can't expect him to just go out and, you know, be Justin Herbert. That, that's what we basically want from, from last year, who is another guy who's underachieving. Um, but – He's a hold for me right now. I'm not really doing anything with Joe Burrow. You can't sit there and, and say you expected him to, to have 300 yards a game, uh, you know, the first two games back from, from that ACL. So hold, we're okay. Um, he's going to he's gonna have a couple of really good weeks coming up here pretty soon. 
So kind of going along with what you're saying, Joe Burrow, I think, is not just a hole, but maybe even a guy that I'm looking to acquire and buy lower on than you could have preseason, right? Because he, while he's been okay, um, I, I think the three interceptions kind of stick in people's uh, thoughts right now. And if, if you look at him versus like a Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford has been electric with uh, his connection to Cooper Cup for, through the first two weeks. And so is there a way that you can – can turn people who who might be higher on Matthew Stafford all of a sudden into a Joe Burrow, who is obviously a lot younger. I don't know if you can make that move, but I'm looking at guys that Aaron Rodgers I would sell for for a Joe Burrow. Make a motion there. No, I'm trying to I'm trying to think that Stafford Burrow one is is really intriguing because it's yeah. not like Stafford's old. Um, so if you're a contender and you have Joe Burrow, uh, and, would, and that's I what I'm saying. That. I Doing I it. think that's that's actually a pretty good swap, especially if it's if it matches up with both the teams there. And I think when we get to the end of the season, those two are going to have similar stat lines. Right now, it looks like oh, obviously I want Stafford. If I'm if I'm competing, I'm going to have Stafford. Stafford's going to be the better asset. I think this Bengals offense starts to look like this Rams passing offense because I just believe in in their weapons. Right, they have a fantastic running back. They have three, probably one of the top wide receiver duo trios in the NFL right now. And so I think Burrow s- slowly catches up to Stafford as kind of that fringe QB one, maybe QB 10 to QB 14, right. Uh, in most yeah, weeks. No, I'm with you 100% because before the season, I think I, I asked you, or we talked about like, what offense are you most looking forward to? And last year we asked questions about next year, what offense are you looking forward to? And we had talked about the Bengals a bit. So they're an up and coming offense. They have a ton of weapons. They just need some blind help, and yes. Burrow is going to be, you know, you know, good. So I, I think we're a year away from seeing him blow up. Um, but this year, you're gonna, we're gonna see some good. It's basically his rookie season. I mean, last year you kind of got to throw it out because he's he's learning mechanics all over again. So. Yeah, and they're going to have to find a way to protect him. Nine sacks in just two games. That's how he got injured uh, in his rookie year. They have to find a way to protect him. So hopefully that line starts improving. The second quarterback that I want to talk about is a guy that you were kind of lukewarm on coming into the season, Jalen Hurts. I think we've seen one week of of really, really good Jalen Hurts, right? We saw him absolutely play fantastic in week one. against. I'd say one of the worst passing secondaries in the NFL and the Falcons. Uh, week two, we got good fantasy Jalen, bad, realistic NFL football Jalen. So I think we're kind of still in that middle pattern. Ha- have your thoughts shifted at all with Jalen? Are you still kind of in the wait and see, still kind of doubting? What, what are your thoughts there? No, nope, he is kind of who I thought I was at, up to this point. I mean, he should be able to <laughs> – his fantasy numbers are going to be better than his real life numbers. Correct. I, I never really necessarily disputed that. It was yep. more about, you know, him being at, you know, 11 ahead of some of the guys that he was ahead of, which I didn't, you know, I was just really confused. And I forget who those guys were now that I'm thinking about it, but I'll figure it out. But he looked really good in the first game. They had a lot of time to game plan. Atlanta's not that good. And then, you know, he plays against San Francisco and just – not good, like 52% completion percentage. Right. And I'm sitting there watching the game thinking Devonta Smith could have like 140 to 160 targets, but how many of them are going to be catchable? So we have to think about that. Who were some wide receivers last year that we had where their catch rate was just horrible because they're quarterbacks? You know what I mean? Yep. And they're still good, but the amount of catchable balls that they wind up getting 
not great, Bob. So that's what I'm concerned about with Jalen Hurts. His legs are going to be fine. That's what's going to keep him relevant in fantasy, so you can keep starting him. The problem is I don't think he's going to sell the Eagles brass on being the quarterback of the future. So where do you go from here if you're a dynasty owner? Because you want that stability there, and we don't have any stability with Jalen Hurts, and that's my biggest fear is unless he's lights out and the Eagles win a bunch of games, then I don't think he's going to be their QB1 next year. Yeah, I think it's it's how many games can he win with this team, right? Because I think they have some decent weapons. I think they have some big names on defense. I, I think their defense as a whole, you can, you can argue, is up and down, maybe middle of the road, but they have some big names. I know Brandon Graham just, just went out for the year, but they have some names that, that makes the defense not a defense that you want to attack every week. So yeah. the thing is, can this team get to, you know, a, what, a 7-10 and 10? or or an eight and nine kind of season because if you have that you're a middle of the road team and you don't have one of these early picks to replace him you're not getting a sam howell you're not getting a spencer rattler right you're not getting a malik willis you're not getting any of these guys that are probably going to go top 10 top 12 right so yeah. it's it's how good can they be to give him another year and that's what dynasty managers need to look at is is he can be great for fantasy and still get replaced we've seen it before it's yeah. can he play well enough where he, they believe in him still, and even further, they're not in a place to have that decision of should we go with this quarterback because we're the sixth or seventh overall pick. However, they have Miami's first first round pick, and they have the Colts' second round pick or first round pick, likely second round. So yep. they have all that draft capital. They can move up and go wherever they really want if they see a guy that they like. So, and we've seen in the past they're going to make that move um, if they really believe in somebody. So. He needs to do a better job. You're right about the defense, though. The defense is probably going to win him games. Jonathan Gannon has some really good game plans. The defense has played good two weeks in a row. Um, offensive play calling got cute, to say the, to say the uh, least. Oh, come on, Philly special, fourth down. Run, run the fucking ball. You're on the one-yard <laughs> line after Quez. Uh, okay, there's my equals ran for the day. That's fine. But, yeah, again, that's, that's my big problem with Jalen Hurts as a dynasty asset is you don't have that stability. And with a quarterback, a young quarterback like that, that's what you expect. So I'm moving him if I can. And then I'm going from there. Yeah. The next guy I, I want to talk about is a guy that maybe not a lot of people were talking about just our deeper dynasty circles as stash um, for, for later in the year, maybe next year, but that's Elijah Mitchell who after injuries to Mostert and inactive, Surprise and active week one for Sermon and then other injuries, right? He's kind of been the bell cow so far for the 49ers, getting 19 rushes in week one, 104 yards, and then 17 rushes this last week, only 42 yards, not nearly as efficient, tougher competition with that Eagles defense that we just mentioned. Had two receptions. What are your thoughts here with Elijah Mitchell? Is he a guy that you're thinking of, wow, this could be just temporary. I should capitalize while he looks like he's the bell cow. People are super pumped about him. Could you get a late first? Could you get for sure an early second and, and just take that and run with it? Or are you of the mindset that maybe this guy actually has some some league-winning ability this year and who knows what happens next year? Mostert's out the door. They don't seem to be in love with Sermon right now. What are you doing here with Elijah Mitchell if you have him on any rosters? Well, I'm definitely not getting rid of him before they play Green Bay this week because then the price tag only goes up. 
and you have the rest of their running backs in that room are hurt. Yep. <laughs> Sermon's in the concussion protocol. Hasty is out. Did they put him on the IR today? I think they may have. Or he's out for sure. Days. Yeah. A couple he's weeks. Definitely going to be out this week. So that's another one. So he's going to get majority of the work this week against a weak Green Bay defense. So yeah, I mean, I honestly, I, I, I was shocked by this. Probably just as shocked as you. You're you're the sermon stand. I'm the Michael Carter guy. We went back and forth a bunch of different times. Uh, you know, and I I'm shocked. But to tell you the truth. He's looked pretty good. He's leaving yards out on the field, but at the same time, he's getting yards and he's got that explosive ability where he can make something out of nothing. And then you have to think about the fact that if Trey Lance winds up coming in, they're going to be a much more efficient running team um, because of that, the threat for Trey Lance. I'm not sure. Jimmy, Jimmy G has actually looked pretty good Um, against the Eagles. He looked very good as far as just like his mechanics and everything and, and getting some balls into some tight, you know, windows and everything. So I don't know how soon that's going to wind up happening for Trey Lance, but if it does, I think Elijah Mitchell is going to be really good. I'm not going to go out and, you know, I'm not giving you a first for Elijah Mitchell right now, but I'm, I'm not sure what I'd buy him at, to tell you the truth. I did pick him up in a couple of leagues, though, so I got lucky there. Yeah, if, if you had a need for running back, you have an, you're have you a contending team, you need a running back too, let's say you lost – let's say you lost Mostert, right? And he was your running back too, and you just need somebody uh, to be your flex slash running back too. What would you pay to to acquire him? <clears throat> Super flex league. I, I would give a second. Okay, right now, um, yep. and hope to get like a four back or something like that. Uh, I'm not sure if that's if you're if the owner who has you know, who has him is going to do that or not. Um, I think we might have this. This is a guy where the the prices might not match up with draft picks. So you're going to have to involve players with most trades, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's where it gets tricky with the with the valuation. Um, yeah, I think he's a guy that obviously there, there's there's a lot of volatility, right? Would it surprise you if he's not even a guy that's getting six touches at the end of the year because Jeff Wilson comes back and he's the running back too, and Sermon becomes the guy we thought he would? That wouldn't surprise me if he's kind of out of the game plan and just a, a running back three on his own team. Flip side, Sermon doesn't ever reclaim that mantle. Jeff Wilson kind of works in but is the, the running back two, and he still has 15 rushes a game. We're talking about a good rushing offense. If you're talking about a running back and a Kyle Shanahan offense, which is why I love Sermon even more once he got drafted by that team, they're going to be efficient. They're going to want to run the football. and And he almost reminds me of like – a young Raheem Mostert where he is all speed downhill, just go find the open hole and get hit. It doesn't do a lot if there's not blocking for him, which is what I think happened kind of in this last game. And honestly, in the second half of that Lions game, those rushing lanes kind of closed down and you saw him struggle actually a little bit more in the second half of the Lions game. And then for, for most of this game, he could add a touchdown. That was a, a weird call. Um, it was overturned. He was down on like a one inch yard line, but um, he's going to be a guy that just based on volume, you're going to like if you're a competitor. So I think a second round pick is about that price point that if you're competing, you need to do. I'm probably on the flip side though, that if, if I don't need him, I'm probably going to try and move him. But like you said, I, I wouldn't mind waiting a week, Green Bay and then Seattle, man, Seattle is a team. I'm not sure if they're all great at st- uh, stopping the rush either. I don't know. I'm not worried about that defense either though. So it's like, how long do you hold him? Also, 
these 49er running backs are dropping like flies. Will he get hurt again? He's coming off his own shoulder injury, right? So he's day he's day to day right now. Yeah. So, here, so, so here's a question for you: who Who do you like more the rest of the season, him or Tony Pollard? Just this season? Yeah, this season. Um, I think Tony Pollard would need a Zeke injury to kind of be where where Elijah Mitchell is right now. We just saw a fantastic game by Pollard. But I, I think that's more of the exception, not the the case so, where he's going to get 13 carries for 104 yards. So are you throwing an offer if you have Pollard out there to try and get Mitchell? When is Pollard is, – is Pollard up after this year for his contract? Because if Pollard's not behind Zeke anymore, I think he's so very intriguing. Get- and they can also get out of the Z contract a lot easier next year. Uh, so he actually has one more year. Man, it feels like Pollard's been around for three or four years. My own team, I should know this, but he's got another year. Three years. Man, man, I, I just – I trust Pollard more long-term than I do Mitchell. But the, I got you. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's tough because no, – Yeah, sure. Well, he's got – he's also got more of uh, two games that we can, you know, have data for. He's efficient when he gets the ball. Like, so yeah. we're just not sure if, if Mitchell's going to be a volume guy and needs that volume, or or, or what. So M- Mitchell some is, other is, offers. Yeah, I'm sorry. Can I say uh, some other offers? You know, you could try and put something together with Mitchell and you know a pick to try and get Acres if you think he can come back from the Achilles, Dobbins, um, which you're not probably not going to get, or uh, Etienne, which again you're probably not going to get. But if well, I think you can there. I think you can. Yeah. I think you can get Etienne. I think people were already kind of down on Etienne. They weren't sure what James Robinson's role was going to be. They knew the Jaguars would suck. Everyone hates Urban Meyer. I think Etienne is a fantastic buy low if you're waiting on next year. Sell Elijah Moore for Travis Etienne. You probably have to throw a little bit on there, uh, but you, that's something that's not too far off. Not Elijah Moore. <laughs> Elijah Mitchell. That's, Correct. That's fine. Either way. Yes, that, that's Either fantastic. Either way, I would do that. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's good Mitchell talk, but uh, we're going to s- skip here because I want to stay on the 49ers because Kyle Shanahan is mucking everything up. He's confusing the hell out of all of us, not only with the sermon call, but also with Brandon Ayuk, right? We have Brandon Ayuk wasn't inactive, but basically was finds his first target in week two. Uh, I don't know if he got one pass that. Which, I just, yeah. Right, just yo, one target. Way, it was a nasty catch. It was nasty. It was total body extension, caught the ball, was open, was a good route. This Brandon Ayuk situation is one of the most confusing things. I, I, I'm I'm at a loss because here I am thinking he's like top 15, 16 dynasty wide receiver, like on that fringe. And the next thing you know, again, he's basically inactive and he's nothing. And you have uh, fucking – what is it? Sherfield? I'm sorry. Trent Sherfield. Yeah. Sherfield's out there. Mm-hmm. You know what's it's so shit, scary? Brandon. You I, know what's yeah. yeah, Brandon, yeah. You know what's the most scary about this entire situation, Tom? For him and Sermon. Because I'm gonna lump these two situations together because even though they're different, because Ayuk has shown us that he's a baller already, right? He's shown us a year of that. And I get it, Sermon hasn't earned that yet, but you trade up third round pick. You know, you're expected that he's going to take over for most of right. It's got some similarities, right? What's so scary about this is do you remember a guy named Joe Williams? Yeah. Running back drafted by 
the 49ers. This was when John Lynch was with the team. And he doesn't really play for them at all. He gets injured before the regular season, and then he gets cut, and he's done. Fourth-round pick. I get it's not a third-round pick. Then, on top of that, you remember a guy named Dante Pettis? Oh, yeah. He is a second-round He's I a second like round I pick. That's exactly right. Like I, I, I had kind of looked back and I was like, okay, Pettis has a fantastic year. Shanahan comes in and he's like, mm, this guy's not cutting it. He gets down the depth chart. He's behind in practice. He's getting fourth team reps. It's reminding me a lot of Dante Pettis and Joe Williams between these two situations with Sermon and Ayuk. And that's what's the most scary. It's like, no, eventually these guys are going to play. There's no way he can hold out his best talent. Well, dude, they're 2-0. and they're, They haven't lost yet, and he's done this before. It's not like this will be the first time he has done this. Yeah, it's really confusing. And then on the flip side, literally all of Ayuk's targets are going to Debo. Like, not even to Kittle. Kittle's just a blocker now, apparently. And he's really good at it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> However, like Debo's getting all the all the targets. It's bonkers. The Debo Ayuk flip for me is painful. Whatever, you're wrong on Sermon. We can both be wrong on a 49er. We are not wrong. I'm not ready to say that, that we're wrong on this. I will say that I did caution, and the reason I was lower on Ayuk than you were is I said Debo is still a decent wide receiver. Like I still have respect for Debo. Now, did I expect this to happen? Absolutely not. But there's no way I thought that all three of these people could coexist. And now we take one out of the equation, and, and we see Debo go off. Right? Like You're that's what happened. That's what happened for Ayuk last year. Right? Like we either had Kittle injured or Debo injured, and Ayuk goes off. Like this is a really good recipe when there's only two of the three in the scenario. When there's three. Uh, it's an improper fraction. It's bad. Math is bad. You can't do it. And yet, it's there's. It's like there's one. Two is one. One is one is none, and two is none, and three is all right. Just stop it. S- stop your sh- shenanigans. Oh, I kind of like that. That wasn't that bad. Nah, I got it right the first time. How about that? Okay, so we think Debo might come back to earth. We're, we're a little bit panicked on Ayuk, but I think there's plenty of time for things to turn around. Uh, we have 15 more weeks to go. I am not moving these guys until I see. Well, actually, here's a really good question. Last talk we'll have about the 49ers. Ayuk, I think we're holding on because you can't sell. You can't sell this you price. Can't. You can't. Debo, though, after his week one, and then he follows it up with a really good week two, is he a sell? Can you upgrade to um, – Allen Robinson. I mean, there's those are two really. You have a Rob who's just been really meh so far. Very right? meh. Very and meh. And then you have. I mean, you're also about, jumping four years in age. Right, but so, what about like Debo for Devonta, or Jerry Judy plus? I think Debo and. And Smith were too, are too close. Where I'd need more, I'd need more for for Debo than that. Oh, Ju- Judy similar, especially because he's injured. So I think you got to aim higher. If you're selling Debo, you're aiming higher than guys that he was around. Like he wasn't okay. Let's be fair. He wasn't around those guys. He was a, he was a tier below them for sure. Yeah. But I think you need to yeah, be yeah. aiming at the who's the wide receivers that are twenty eight. 
29 years old, the Robert Woods, the Keenan Allens, and Keenan Allen's too hot right now. You can't get him. Robert Woods would be a fantastic trade-up. Um, and A-Rob would be a fantastic trade-up. Those are two names well, that, I two, would tra- two, that I would target. I think two guys that, uh, I mean, you can add a hell of a lot less than you would have had to. DJ Moore and Terry McLaurin are now within the realm if you throw, like, the right picks in there, which I'm definitely trying to do if if I can. Right. So I, I think Debo's a sell. I have him in our league that we're in together. He, he's probably going to be on, on the trade block here for me. Um, I should probably get moving on that. I'll give you Michael Thomas for him straight up. You know who else I have in that league? Brandon Cooks. And boy, is he cooking. Let Russ cook? No, let Brandon Cooks. Okay. This guy has had 35% of the target share. He has 14 receptions, 210 yards, and a tutty with Tyrod Taylor, who was meh before the season, right? We weren't saying Tyrod Taylor's going to be anything spectacular. Then he has a half with Davis Mills. What? Like what? How is he doing this with, with two guys that are obviously a huge downgrade from Deshaun Watson? It's because Brandon Cooks just goes out there week in, week out, just gets it done, gets 1,000 yards each season. He's healthy. That's just who he is. And and, and, and I honestly overlooked him. Week one didn't start him. Week two started him. And even though he has Davis Mills and they're going against the Panthers, I think I have to start him again. And he's got no – they have nobody else that they're going to throw to. Nope. So that that's the big one is the targets. He's got 21 targets, which I believe is tied for the third most, I think. Yeah, maybe. One, two – yep, tied for the third most. Um. So, yeah, that's where it is. And when you factor in that he's ex- as explosive as he is and they're going to be down because they're trash – all good things, all good things there. So is is Brandon Cooks a guy that, that you believe, because this is how I view it. He's a guy that I'm not trying to move. There's these guys that, that blow up in the first two weeks, and I think that week two and week three are the best times to buy and sell players because you've seen enough of a sample size where people start to believe, but you haven't seen a, too much of a sample size where there's that bad game that lowers the price, right? So Brandon Cooks goes out and has a even a mediocre – you know, a five for 65 week three, where he ends up being like a flex wide receiver 40 and better. He's still going to have a really good trade uh, value. I think in, in the long term, Right. And, and so I guess my question is, are you looking at, at Brandon cook as a guy that, Hey, we don't know this quarterback situation. If Tyrod misses three to four weeks and it's, and it's Davis mills. This is going to be a guy that struggles for a decent portion. Maybe the rest uh, of 2021, this is a guy that I should get off my team now. Or are you the guy that says, no, long-term, this is a guy that is still an asset. He's he's not old yet. He's kind of in that getting old age. But what are your thoughts with Brandon Cooks? Confusion. <laughs> I'm really glad in the leagues I have him because I'm not going to even attempt to trade for him because I feel like it's probably going to be you know, too much because of how he's played. And we need to wait two more weeks to see how he does with Davis Mills. So, I mean, you can take the plunge now and just bet on him being good enough with Davis Mills. Um, And you might have a better discount now than, you know, next week. If he goes five for 65, like you said, and maybe he gets a touchdown, maybe that actually gives people faith. So it's scary. Now might be your opportunity to buy Brandon Cooks, which is really weird because of the, the first two weeks he's had. But 
because of the quarterback situation, maybe it is. But I, yeah, I'm probably not going to go be able to acquire him in leagues because he might cost too much. Um, I don't know what you're asking for in, in that other league, but uh, maybe we can work something out for somebody. Who knows? I, I mean, yeah. your team doesn't need any help. Why? Sure, no. I do. Nope. You do not need any more help. I will not trade with the person in first. That is a rule that I have. Don't make the best team better. What? Moving on. Defending, listen, the defending champion who also happens to be 2-0 and and has by far the most points in the league needs more. No. Okay? I already have had some injuries, and I'm rolling Tim Patrick out there as my last starter. But when you have uh, Tom Brady and Derrick Henry going absolute bonkers. By the way, Kamar hasn't done shit, and I'm just sitting there with him there. Like, whatever. It's okay. This is fine. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What about one of your preseason loves and, I'd say, draft process loves, Najee Harris, kind of a consensus running back one. We knew this Pittsburgh offensive line was going to be bad. You and I talked about it multiple times. It's probably why we had, didn't have him ranked as high as some other places did in Dynasty because we knew that maybe there was going to be some growing pains through the first, I don't know, half of, the, of his rookie season, maybe even most of the season. We'll see. Uh, but after two weeks, the workload's nice, fantastic. He's gotten really good uh, receptions. He's gotten a good target share in week two where he gets a receiving touchdown, but the efficiency is trash. What are you doing here with Najee Harris? Are you just, you're obviously probably just holding, riding it out, waiting for this team to kind of turn around, but this entire Pittsburgh offense has looked shaky. Yeah. It's a uh, 3.2 yards per carry is not, you know, the best thing in the world. And that's the, not exactly the, the metric you want to use for, you know, the end all be all. But at the same time, we're talking about him getting volume and he's just, he's got 26 attempts through two games. That's, that's still not great. That's not where we want to be. But when they're not able to run the ball because they're behind against the fucking Raiders, who are somehow two and zero. Wow, I, I mean, knocked me <laughs> out of the. Pits- thanks Pittsburgh, me- you lost me money in a parlay. Thanks, bud. Knocked me out of an eliminator league. I'm a little bitter about that, oh, man. But yeah, the the receptions. That's one of the things that we really liked about Najee. That's going to keep him in that you know top twenty four. Even if he's, you know, on the fringe of the 24, which I don't necessarily think he will be for very long. But right now he's at 21 in most PPR leagues. So I think he'll be fine. I think he's going to get better. He's a hold for me. Uh, The efficiency will get better just because we're going to see him hit some big plays. I think some explosive explosive plays are going to wind up coming. And I think we're going to see some more volume here. So especially with Ben, who has a strained peck, I think they're going to lean on that run game a little bit more, I hope. And then uh, we'll see some more more nausea. Yeah, it's interesting because I kind of look at this situation as 
It's different, but maybe the the start is kind of similar to Jonathan Taylor, where the hype was so high for Jonathan Taylor, and people had so much uh, expectations for what he would do coming out week one, week two, week three, and we didn't see that same. Um, we didn't see the results right through the early part of the season, and that's what we're seeing right now with with Najee. The workload's there, the yardage is not fantastic, but here's his next three weeks. Are you ready for this? He has Cincinnati, Green Bay, Denver. Denver, I will agree, is a good defense, but the way they are attacked is probably on the ground, especially with Bradley Chubb now out um, having surgery. So I think that these next three games are actually really, really juicy for Najee. No one's selling him. Like It's only been two weeks. I don't think you're getting any type of bargain, but I just want to calm any any panic with Najee because we thought that he's going to have games, and, and probably in these three games he'll probably have one or two more where he gets 16 to 18 touches, but the yardage is only – you know, 60 to 70, maybe even 80 yards. But I do think he finds the end zone. I do think he stays involved in the pass game. So I think there's better weeks to come for Najee. Yeah, it is shades of Jonathan Taylor from last year. And, you know, Jonathan Taylor this year. Jonathan Taylor is just a slow starter. I'm convinced. that That's all it is, people. It's okay. It's fine. Especially down here in the, in the red zone. Jesus, get in the end zone, son. You know who's not a slow starter? Derek Henry, who's also on my team. He actually kind of is. He through through the first half. No, we can't <laughs> talk Derek Henry. Through the yeah. first half, he had like 5.5 fantasy points. And he then did. he just goes and, ballistic. So I it's funny because I'm sitting there and it looks like I'm gonna win in one of my leagues. And I'm like, all right, this is fine. I had Brady Same. going off. And Same. then I had four guys left. I had Tyreek left, I had Mark Andrews left, I had Devontae left in the Packers defense. Yeah, it's a home league. I still have a, a defense or whatever. And then Derrick Henry is going absolute ham, and I'm playing against him. But you know what? When you're in enough leagues, you're like, all right, Derrick, get in there. And I'm pretty sure I already won this league. I won that league by less than a half a point last night, and I was sitting there. The Packers' defense were six points away from me losing. Oh, my god! I'm sorry, six yards away. Oh, six yards. Six yards, and I would have lost that game because Derrick Henry went absolutely – bonkers it's great yeah the guy that i actually wanted to bring up that does not start slow apparently is sterling shepherd how about this guy so he the last three games so going back to 2020 his last three games he is averaging 11 yards per target now a lot of people will say i don't know what that means like what's that compared compared to his his entire career before then 7.4 yards per target he has basically just one. Daniel Jones is, is way more efficient this year. His completion percentage was through the roof last game. And two, he's catching more passes down the field. Like he's not catching these seven, eight yard, you know, 10, 11 yard uh, receptions. He's getting 13, 14, 15 yards. He's getting a deep bomb every now and then. Um, and it's actually really, really interesting to see because he was a guy that on our start sit show that I was kind of backing off. I said, no, 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 I am not comfortable playing you know Shepard after one week of him going off like this is a, a tough Washington defense I don't trust Daniel Jones man I think I'm starting to trust Daniel Jones and and Sterling Shepard which is probably going to burn me but only four guys had a higher yards per target than 11 last year that was Will Fuller Julio Jones Justin Jefferson and Rashard Higgins so Rashard Higgins whatever but 
those are pretty big time names down the field target guys. And he is currently at that in those last three games, small sample size, but you can see that he's not just this possession receiver. He's doing a little bit more with the football and he's getting open and Daniel Jones is hitting him. So I wonder if Kenny Galladay has something to do with this, with his dynamic ability and then focusing a little bit more attention on him as opposed to just Slayton and Golden Tate last year. So I'm kind of excited about Sterling Shepard. I don't know if I'm trading for him yet. I'm probably going to wait for that value to drop back down a little bit, but he's a guy I'm very intrigued in right now. Yeah, you know what? You might not be trading for him, but guess what? You're starting him now probably. Oh, for sure. And right now, like, so everybody talks about dynasty and trading for him and value and everything. But right now we're in win, win mode. You know what I mean? And you can start Sterling Sterling Shepard because he's been that good and he's getting that volume. And like you said, Daniel Jones is really efficient when he throws the ball to him. He's only got three incompletions when he's thrown the ball to Sterling Shepard. That's really good. There you go. He's a safety blanket for him. Um, You see Sterling Shepard running a lot of like slants and stuff like that. Um, from wherever he's lined up on the field. And when they run those RPOs, which Daniel Jones has been really good at, um, ex- you know, and he's been staying on his feet this year, which has been you know nice and not stumbling down on the, from the turf monster or whatever. So, which was amazing. They still scored a touchdown, but nobody remembers that. <laughs> um, but that opens a lot of things up for Sterling Shepard when he's running those short, quick routes and he gets really good releases and, uh, people just can't key on him. So he might be the secondary threat that defenses are looking at because they have Kenny Galladay, uh, which I think is helping him a ton. Uh, it's not helping Kenny Galladay, which is hilarious. Um, but yeah, DJ Moore is better than Kenny Galladay, Robbie. I think we went over this a couple years ago still. Anyway, um, yes, Galladay is helping Sterling Shepard out a ton. Yeah, and then kind of wrapping this up, let's go to the tight ends because I think there's one guy who has been playing fantastic and, and maybe even better than some of us thought, and that's TJ Hawkinson. He's a guy that I've been super high on. I've been one of the few guys out there that actually has him ranked above Kittle because I just think over the next three years, health-wise and and who's going to get the more targets and who's going to have just more opportunities, I think that's TJ Hawkinson, and I think that was very hot takey for a lot of people. Um, but he has absolutely lived up to that build. It's only been two weeks again. We're trying not to overreact, but he's been what most of us thought they would be, right? It's Lions offense. Everyone complained about him, but I actually really, really enjoy them. It's like, who do I start? DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson, and now you can maybe throw in a a Jamal Williams flex, and that's all you need to worry about, right? Like, it's no, oh, man, Pittsburgh, who's going to be the good wide receiver this week? Cincinnati, who's going to be the good wide receiver this week? It's very simple. Those two guys, maybe flex Jamal Williams. I love it. What are your thoughts with TJ Hawkinson? Are you starting to buy in that maybe he's leveled up into like this Darren Waller, George Kittle range? Or are you still saying, hey, it's only been two weeks. Let's wait and see where you at. I had him there anyway. I mean, you had Kelsey was up there and Waller. And I think that we have our next tier. And I think that's Hawk and Pitts. Not necessarily in that order, dynasty-wise. Hawk, Pitts. Why am I spacing on the fifth one? Kittle. Not An- not Andrews. Oh, Kittle, yeah. I think he's in that tier. I think you can put him as high as three if you really want to. If you're going to knock Kelsey because of age, um, I mean, I'm not doing that. But no. no. You know what? I have no argument for what I was just going to say. You can't drop him. Um, he's he's that he's that good. Uh, yeah. And the same thing with Waller. Yeah, uh, but I, I don't think that's what people thought before. I think dynasty-wise, it was Kelsey – 
uh, even with the age, just how consistent he's been, people are saying, okay, he's old, but he's just been so good. We can't have him below anybody else. And then really it came up to Kittle and Waller and, and Waller has, has kind of jumped uh, Kittle in some, in some people's minds, but really in most it's those two and then another tier. And for me, it was Hawkinson because of just his age difference compared to these two guys. And I think he will be as good as Waller. I didn't have Kittle being as good as these two guys in redraft this year, but I think he'll be as good as Waller and he's still getting better, right? We haven't even seen his third year leap, which I think we're about to see where we have seen for two weeks. And I think it continues uh, for the rest of the season. So that's why I had him up there, but there's definitely people who were like, no, 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 this is the Lions offense. They're going to struggle. Um, he, he isn't very efficient. You know, once he gets the, the, the catch. He's not breaking a lot of tackles. He's not that athletic, but I don't think that matters because of the target volume he's going to get all season. And, and even looking past this year, if they bring in an early wide receiver, I honestly don't think that affects him that much because this will be a, a team that still probably throws the ball quite a bit. Um, and, and I just, I, I honestly do believe in the talent. He's not the most athletic. He's not as, as athletic as uh, a Kittle or, or a Kelsey or a Fant, but he is efficient enough where you give him the targets, he's going to make things happen, and he's scoring touchdowns. Yeah, I think a good wide receiver would help him a ton because then they just can't key on him. Like right now, yeah. he's their downfield and and Cephas. <laughs> Cephas getting the first touchdown last night crushed me. Yeah, some of my first touchdown bets. So, and then Aaron Jones goes out, who I had getting the first touchdown, and gets the first touchdown, but for Green Bay because of Cephas. Thanks. First touchdown and a second touchdown and a third touchdown. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. What about another uh, guy that's let you down in Mike Seki? This one kind of breaks my heart because you and I were both excited about him. You obviously way more than me. But basically what happens is they draft Hunter Long, and some people are kind of like jumping ship. They're like, oh, no, they're bringing in a third-round tight end. We need to get out of here. And I'm like – Let's pump the brakes. We've seen third-round tight ends take forever to develop, if they do develop at all. But then you, you see that they're not even throwing to a point where they can keep Waddle, Parker, and you know Gaskin and Gasecki all involved. And so he doesn't get anything in week one, only two targets. You know, Second week, he kind of climbs out of it a little bit, but only, what, five or six targets and only three receptions. Like I'm, I'm kind of nervous on, on my Mike Gasecki shares. You should be very nervous, um, especially now we might not have Tua because of the rib injury, so we don't know what it's. I thought Gasecki would still be good because where he would get uh, some of his targets down in the red zone, I think he would get a lot of touchdowns. Like I, I had him, his prop bet was over six touchdowns this year, and I thought that was way too low just because of the red zone talent. And – the offense hasn't quite come around to that yet. Um, so, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens when Fuller gets back on the field. Maybe that opens some things up for him. However, having Shaheen out there, um, and then it's just crowded at tight end. And they're using Gasecki as a wide receiver more than anything else. Uh, and they're splitting him out wide. It's not like he's just like in the slot as a, as a flanker. Uh, so I'm interested to see what happens when Fuller comes back if they push him inside of the slot. Um. Yeah, so you can't do anything with Mike Gusecki right now. So, Tom, let's let's finish this out with just one player you're looking to acquire and one player you're looking to move off of 
as we, we kind of move towards week three. I know it's still early in the season, and we talked about a couple of guys. I'll go first because I'm kind of just throwing this on you. One guy that I'm looking to acquire, because honestly, it, it's surprising, but, but Trey Sermon, as big of a fan as I've been, I don't have a lot of shares of him. I actually only have one share in 14 leagues. That's redraft and uh, – no, two in 14 leagues for redraft and dynasty. He's honestly a player I'm looking to acquire because people are now really scared about him. I think you have him inactive week one, concussion week two, maybe probably misses week three, maybe even week four. I think people are going to be out on him. But I, I definitely want to stick with what I thought pre-draft process, and, and I've hedged a little bit, but that price is where I've hedged at, where I'm going to be able to acquire him, not for this – late first, early second, maybe I can trade a late second for him or trade a um, Tyson Williams or somebody that's producing right now for him. And so that's the guy that I want to buy low on is Trey Sermon because I do think he has league winning potential if he does take over that backfield in time. Who's the guy that you're looking to acquire? Uh, you know, I'm going to go with a guy that you know I love. And I know he just had a knee injury. However, he's okay. Deontay Johnson. You know what I mean? He is that wide receiver one there. I, especially through the first two weeks, we have ten targets. We have twelve targets. Um, he didn't necessarily do a lot with the targets in the first week against Buffalo. Nobody did twelve targets the next week against the Raiders. That's what we're looking about. That's what we're looking at with Deontay Johnson. He's going to get that volume, um, and he's going to be productive, and he's going to wind up getting touchdowns. But in your you're in a PPR league, I'm going to go with Deontay especially now that he's had the knee injury and we don't think it's a, a serious thing. I think you need a little bit of a discount there. Um, one more, if I can, might yeah, be a bigger buy than Deontay is Jerry Judy for me. Again, another guy with, with an injury because yep. he looked like he was about to go fucking ham this year with Teddy. Um, and then Cortland Sutton goes out <laughs> and takes all of his numbers. It's going to go back to Jerry Judy. Um, Cortland Sutton will be okay, but Jerry Judy is going to be that alpha there. Uh, and I am doing whatever I can to try and to get him right now while there still is a discount and the injury discount on top of that. Yeah, the the one guy I talked about in June that was a sell for me was Miles Gaskin, and right now I think he's kind of who I thought he was, right, where he'll be the lead back, but that doesn't mean much because of how much they're splitting the work in Miami. Um, so I don't think he's currently still a sell high. I think people have maybe soured on him a little bit after two weeks and that mixed workload. The guy that I'll say now is a guy that I think is getting most of the workload, but I don't know how long it, it lasts. I don't know how good, honestly, the the overall team will be long-term. I think they've had some easier matchups with the Dolphins, with the Jets, and that's Damian Harris. And the reason I'm bringing up Damian Harris is because I honestly think he's a really good running back on a, on a team that has a pretty good line but I don't know if they will have as many red zone opportunities as you want for a guy who doesn't catch a ton of passes. And what I think you can do with how he's looked the first two weeks and maybe give it a couple more weeks. I do think he'll get continue to get a lot of the workload. I think he'll be a guy that long-term I know this Patriots backfield, Tom, you and I, let's go back a year from now. We talked about Sony Michelle and how Robbie was in on Sony Michelle and he breaks hearts because Bill Belichick mixes up that backfield. You fumble once you're gone. You, you know, you, get eight carries here, you get 15 one week, then you get six the next week. And I think Damian Harris is right now the hot name that everybody's kind of on. They're the middling names, just like Miles Gaskin. That's why I brought him up is that there's these guys that are like, hey, he's my running back too. He's played well, but this could all go wrong. And, and so I want to get out before it goes wrong and, and maybe look to acquire somebody 
that it's a little bit more stable. 100% correct. I mean, I, I'm always selling New England running backs if I if I can. Um, I'm going to go with a guy I just traded today, and uh, I got this offered to me. I got Michael Gallup and a second-round pick for Mike Williams. That is a big name. He's probably a name we should have had in our list to talk about because this is a guy that takes, what, three – we're on year four, right? He has not blossomed yeah. yet. He's had a year, right? He had 10 touchdowns um, no, this is two his years fifth ago. Year. So he's, this is his fifth year. He got the option, and okay. next year he's an unrestricted free agent. So he's playing on a $15.6 million contract right now. And he's playing, you know, at the moment while he's healthy, um, like a $15 million wide receiver. Yes. But I think most of us don't think that's going to be able to sustain, uh, and I don't, and that's why I traded him away. And in a vacuum, who, who would you rather have, Michael Gallup or – Mike Williams, because they're both two guys that are going to be likely unrestricted free agents next year. Yeah, man. Honestly, they they're they're similar in a lot of ways. And if if you would have asked me in the pre-draft process, it would have been Mike Williams. But just from what Michael Gallup has been able to do with his limited touches since they brought in CD, and since he's always kind of been behind uh, Amari Cooper, I think Michael Gallup. If he's able to be at least the two on a team, if not, he could even be the one. There's definitely teams out there where he could be the wide receiver one on those teams. I like him a lot better than seeing Mike Williams as the number one on a team. Uh, I think they're very similar type of players, um, but Michael Gallup for me is the guy that I think can just be more consistent. And outside of him just getting injured, you know, in week one, he's been relatively healthy. Where that's never been Mike Williams' calling card. Right, and that's that was the big thing for me. It was okay. You know what? I'll make the deal look to next year with him or, you know, in five weeks or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think Mike Williams is a big sell for people right now. If you can. Uh, yeah. I would capitalize on the first two weeks. Tom, that's all I had for the crew. I believe that's all you had for the crew. Any parting words before we wrap this up? No, Cody and I will be back with prop talk this week. Somehow. Cool some way if not i will be back with somebody or myself we'll do it live doesn't matter prop talks on this week it's good to be back it's good to see your face this was a yes. good pod rod yes and it was a needed pod because i think there's a lot of stuff that's happening we need to parse it out dynasty wise not trying to overreact but also trying to adjust where we think trends that are happening will continue so make sure you, you, you keep it locked here for tfa because we have not only dynasty stuff Christian Welch is doing fantastic Debbie stuff. So if you're in uh, leagues with a Debbie aspect to them, make sure you're listening to his pod. It normally drops Monday morning for you all. Um, we have redraft content coming out of our ears. It's fantastic each and every day. Uh, and just a lot of good DFS stuff as well. So no matter what type of leagues you're playing in, we have it here at TFA. Tom and I holding down the Dynasty Talk. We will be back for you guys next week to continue to see how these trends have evolved, see where we were right, see where we were wrong. So until next time, see you. From shore and down under a right well bore The captain called all hands and swore He'd take that whale and tow 
Sweet day, the woman come to bring us guarantee.